you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, well, this is uh, episode... This is the second episode of our part with uh, Matt Lowry, Steve Stafford, Chris Earl, talking about what's going on in the beef industry. So uh, sit back and listen, folks. Uh, It's going to be good. Okay, guys, uh, thanks for for sticking around uh, and discussing. Let's go ahead and uh, pick up the conversation where we left it, maybe touch on uh, maybe some solutions we have uh, for some of this stuff going on. And also I would kind of like to see what your gentlemen's thoughts are on uh, the whole, you know, it's in the news a lot, uh, beef sustainability or cow sustainability uh, and uh, an organization. I don't know if you know any about it. It's the world wildlife fund. Kind of, if you, if you have any insights on that and cause it all kind of ties back to what uh, president Biden signed as an executive order shortly after he was in office about uh, the 30% uh by 2030, then actually it goes into 50% by 2050, and it's all part of uh, so-called preserving the land or taking land out of, I call it taking it out of production. So if you have any thoughts on that, go ahead and chime in too. So take it away, guys. Thanks, Les, and uh, and it's good to be back here. We we had kind of an interesting uh, conversation when we were on break, and uh, we were talking about, some of the laws and, and, and some of the things that Cory Booker had, had put into place and, and, uh, and Steve had uh, brought some things up about by 2040, he does not want uh, to have some of these feed yards any larger than a thousand head capacity. And, uh, you know, as, as a cattleman, I know that, you know, when we start talking about laws and start people who have no clue about what we do for a living uh, and laws are being made by people that uh, know nothing about what we do. Uh, The hair on your back of your neck kind of starts to stand up, but you know, Steve brought up a very valid point. You know, he said, one thing is, is when we, when we talk about uh, the no feed yard over a thousand head, uh, what, what that would do today. I want you to think about that as a producer. If, Every feed yard in the country was no larger than a thousand head. How much competition would that create in the marketplace? And 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 as we all know, and and and, and virtually the reason that we're here as as us as producers and and market operators and registered operators and commercial cow calf guys and cattle feeders, the reason that we're here is is because of lack of competition in the marketplace. And and that's Agreed. sincerely what this boils down to. And and we were talking about feeder cattle markets not only in uh, in our local livestock markets, but we were talking about competition and the thing that. Uh, what one person and how one person can change a market on that day one person walks into a livestock market and can completely change that market and, and if they had one order or two orders and how much difference that that makes uh just a steve uh, gave a perfect example there was a there was a 63 dollar swing in a in, in a load of 900 pound steers that uh that you know and we were talking about comparison so um i think 
I think that there's some neat things that like Steve brought up about that and a thousand hit and and, and I'm gonna let him kind of explain a little bit more about what he was talking about. <clears throat> well, as the thing, the people that want vertical integration or in the way that we're going, just uh, everything's evolving so fast that uh, if we don't fix something in the in the fed kettle side of it. Um, for true price discovery and competition for those those medium-sized and small yards to be on the same playing field as the big ones. You know, 20, 30 years ago, as producers or advising producers of a sale barn or, or cow-calf producers, if you're selling them bulls, we wanted to talk about how it needed to be, you know, load-lot world and um, the smaller groups are at a disadvantage. Now we've escalated to where it's almost a two-load world. Um, the yards are big. They have big pens. They don't want to mix cattle a week later. And so if you can't buy two loads, you can't buy any. Um, and like Matt referred to on the discrepancy there, I mean, if you have two loads of feeder cattle in a short run that are like in kind, whoever gets the first load, the second order buyer might not be able to sell that single load if there's nothing else behind them in the sale that day to go with them. And so, you know, in one draft of cattle, it's a $50, $60, $70 head had difference and uh that economy of scale isn't good for anybody um that much volatility is not good for anybody the cme's six dollar limits or whatever it is on feeder cattle because somebody wants to play the board game on the one day you're selling your livelihood is not good for anybody and as people get bigger 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 those rules get relaxed the whole way up and nobody cares about that person that uh, is lining up and selling their livelihood that that they can't use the marketplace as it is today to secure any financial stability they're at the whims of you know jack legs like me sitting up there and what the guy on the phone that i got on the phone wants to do and that's not true marketing, and, and, and that's not getting the value of the product. We're in an emotional world now. And it's not like we're watching the boxed beef to be emotional. Nobody calls me and says, whoa, we're giving too much for these feeders. Don't buy any more today. Boxed beef's down 30 a 100. They call and tell me the feeder board's down six. Well, it could be up six tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right. Their product was worth the same through these three emotional turns we took. I mean, it's like dealing with an eighth grade girl going to prom that doesn't like the color of her dress. It's not a good night. It's not the facts of what their product's worth. Right. Well, I think it's interesting. Um, So you, uh, Les brought up a lot of the sustainability, Matt, on Cory Booker and all, and, and, and Steve giving the, you know, the particulars. So as we sit in a segment and we're trying to talk about solutions, you know, the one thing that still comes out to me as a producer is there's so many people that don't do what I, that don't do what we do that are trying to push us in a direction. And that is for their agenda. I mean, we talked about the sustainability thing. I mean, look, I, when, when someone tells me sustainability, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about my family and me. That's what I'm thinking about, being sustainable, right? Yep. Where 
these, all these entities, they want you to think about the process. Cory Booker wants, you know, God bless him. He said a lot of things that I agree with in that testimony, but I know what Cory Booker wants. He doesn't want cows running on grass. No, not at all. Right. And at the end of the day, so his agenda, his agenda has that premise. I mean, the sustainability agenda for me, I'm a godly person. The sustainability uh, thing that, that, that is driven, it's driven by environmentalists that really have one person type of person in their way at this point in their, in their quest. Um, and that is um, the American Christian rancher, that independent mind that they can't control. Right. JBS, on the other end, has one entity that they haven't controlled yet, the American rancher. Everybody is trying to align the American rancher, if it's big pharma, if it's an association, if it's whatever, through our pocketbooks, through our need to survive, they're trying to align us in their agenda. And gosh dang it, I'm not part of their agenda. I don't look at what I do as feeding the world. I look at what I do as trying to run a good business that's going to raise a family, that's going to be able to direct my kids in the order to meet a challenge that will help them through life, that will get them into heaven. That's my goal. My goal is not to feed the world. Everyone in the world has their own obligation to feed themselves. If I can be part of that process, I'd love to do it. I'd love to be part of it. But the American producer has to get away from the mindset as part of this solution and moving forward that what are you going to give me for what I can do? Where us three spend our life by giving advice and or doing a brand building process by which you go to the market and be judged by what you've done and say, this is what I want. This is what I do. That mindset is an American mindset. We're not looking for a subsidy. We're not looking to be on the take. We're not looking to be the small guy on a big ladder of genetics. No, we're an expert at what we do. We want to be paid for what we do. And if I don't like your price, then I'm not going to sell it to you. That has to be, that has to be part of the solution here. And that means first and foremost, by standing up by what you see locally. If it's an association, if it's a national association that you're being pulled into or asked to be part of, what is their agenda? And I go back to my friend Steve's. If their agenda is not the survivability of you as a rancher, then I'd find a different advocate or I'd become one. Absolutely. And so I think so. some of this sustainability, Les, that, that, that you had brought up, it's an overall goal. And the overall goal is really a political goal. And the political goal is to, is to the eliminate the independent spirit of the American producer. Mm-hmm. They've done it in, in other species for the most, most, most part. They haven't done it to the people yet that own the cattle and own the land. Right. And that's what they want. And somehow we need to be able to survive in our business in order to protect that part of America. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, that's one of the big issues. And I think that's where this has to start. So my, as I, my, my initial input here on this session on how do we bring about change and how do we start a direction is producers need to realize we need to start using our leverage. 
everything is done out there to take away our leverage. Everything has been done to take away our leverage because people, people fear risk. The great thing about risk is there's a reward and there's a failure. And that's most people that I know, most people that are, pro- that are producers are still willing to take the risk in order for the reward in the life and the life, life lifestyle. We need to continue to draw people to that mind, mindset. That's yeah. part of those solutions. Abs- absolutely. We talked about earlier that, <clears throat> that they've preyed upon the fact that everybody loves their livelihood and will work hard and, and praise do, a great do it word for absolutely nothing. And many of what I would call the parasites in the business have, have preyed upon that quite honestly, because and using the term uneducated is is not right. I mean, the people that are still in the commercial calf people are very smart people, or they would they'd already been gone. Um, but we made our business so complicated that in order for them to work 110 hours a week, they don't have the ability to understand it, unless somebody's working for them and explaining for, to them then even if they do, they don't have the time to get what they need to get done at home and take care of their families, yet be active in defending themselves. And the whole system is preyed upon that. That's where my problems with, and I try to be careful. I'm going to bust your balls if I think you're wrong, but I'll praise you if I think you do good. And that's a that's a problem everything is so transparent in today's world, like on social media and so on and so forth. I don't think anybody's lined up and busted NCBA any harder than I have. NCBA is, looks like they're waffling and, and starting to get on some of the right track. Mm -hmm. You've got to commend them for that. We need everybody together. We do. And everybody wants to be separate and throwing rocks at each other, you know, you post something positive towards NCBA and here's another association does want nothing but bad mouth them under it. I don't know if what they're doing is going to work. I know it's better than what they were doing three months ago. Right. I know there's a lot of good people that are members of NCBA and their hearts in the right place. Are they going to come to the top and, the you know, wheat separate itself from the shaft? I hope. Our calf's not completely right on everything. U.S. Cattlemen's isn't. That's some of our problems. We're so, so diverse. Biden's executive order, it's more than anybody's done in the past. Does it have any teeth in it? I don't know. Did I vote for Biden? No. Will I next time? No. But that is a positive for us. It's a reality. Absolutely. And if we don't support the people that are trying and you keep badgering them, even if they are making concessions, why would they try? It's true. Very true. But my real problem, you get to like a, um, everybody's leveraged in this business to shut up. I've been (laughs) tried to, you know, by many line. people. The corporates tell sale barns to shut up. It's not their business to how people market the fat kettle, you know, 
so on and so forth. Look at the very few seed stock people that are representing the producers saying anything. Very few. There Very is a there is a lot, and the ones that are care and and want to. Where's the rest of them? Other than a sale barn, or if if people have a, a relationship with an order buyer, which a lot of people don't have that anymore. The business is so distant and big. Yeah, it's not the local guy buying kettle anymore. It's a guy that drives in four hours away, and he's there five minutes after the sale starts and back on the road, and you're not there to meet him anyway. Where do these producers get their advice and their support? And we talked it about should it. be the guy selling them their bulls. It's a great point, Steve. I mean, and that's why we talked about it in the break. You know, vertical integration in the beef thing is not sustainable. It's not. You can't control this many in a, verti- in a vertical process and feed this many. And so, you know, I've, for, for years I've wondered why associations, Matthew, you and I have talked about this a lot. You know, why people that don't understand that make, that are, that are, you know, these, these entities that are in a support or a service level or whatever, whatever role that is, why do they not understand that for their survivability, for their benefit, you want this thing to be big and diverse. That's a thriving marketplace. You want, I think the, the state of Tennessee, I, I think the average guy owns 17 cows, owns 17 cows. You know what that guy does probably for the local? You know, you get a bunch of those things in a local community. You know what a bunch of 17 cow owners do? They spend money on those cows. And why can't they put the emphasis on making sure they're doing everything we can? And I'm not talking about a subsidy. I'm talking about access to the market. And if they want to, if a guy with 20 cows wants to raise the best 20 premium cows, he should have access to a premiums. Not because he's got, not because he's short of two pot loads, right? He should be able to get into the part where he gets his cattle bid on, and he gets a, you know, and and he gets paid for his, you know, for his efforts. Why can't these organizations understand that vertical integration is the elimination of people? It's the elimination of the human factor. If you don't have people paying their dues, if you don't have people paying all that stuff, these organizations go away. You're going to have to go work for JBS. You're going to go have to work for a 200, 200 head thousand yards selling them vaccine. That's all that's going to be left. You know, and the thing about it is, is it, 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 and we talk about breed associations, and I don't care which one it is, whether you're Angus, Red Angus, Hereford, Charlotte, Simital, doesn't make any difference. There's, there's great cattle, no matter what color, what breed they are, Agreed. all over this country. Whatever you like in your operation, that's great. If it fits your environment, that's great. But the one thing is, is I challenge all all breeds of all breeders, you should be the voice because how many commercial producers, and you, you see it every day, every you day. see it every day, how many producers look up to their registered breeder as being the holy one? No doubt. I mean, absolutely. You are the leader. We go to you because we like what you're doing. But you as a breeder have got to go to your associations and say, you know what? We pay you enough money. You are going to go at this for our best interest, our producer's best interest, not the best interest of someone who works there or who's going to make the most money. It's time we take this back. If you own a feed store in a local town, you better grow a pair of balls and get a voice because otherwise, you know what? You ain't going to have no feed store no more. 
It's a great point. If you've got an irrigation business, a well, a well business, this isn't, and, and we're sitting here and we're all talking about what we can do in the cattle industry. This is a bigger scale. If you live in a community in the middle two-thirds of the United States, you better grow a pair. Because if your living revolves around someone in the cattle business, most of them do, you better grow a pair and fight the fight. Agreed. End of story. I mean, it, it is that easy. Yep. Yeah, and, it, you know, our, our country's power, I mean, quite honestly, folks, you take away ag and oil, what do we make here? We're nothing but a service economy off of those two. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely, period. Why? Because America's had cheap food. We've been able to leverage the world and pretend that we live the best and make them follow our rules all because of cheap food. What caused cheap food? The ability for all of these people and the desire to work for nothing doing it. And no unification and no leverage to get what their product's worth. So it's let food remain cheap and government subsidies. Yep. Let this thing get clear vertically integrated and foreign packing control all of it. They're vindictive. Do you think we have cheap protein anymore? No more. You think you're going to buy $80,000 Suburban when you're 25 years old and have a $375,000 home and make this stupid economy go around? You're going to be paying a higher percentage of your income on food. Same thing on the grain farmers. Where there used to be 10, there's one. Absolutely. One more migration tenfold like that. Mm -hmm. They can unify. They can hold you leverage. They can raise the food, and they will. Yep. Sobering. I mean, you can't let the food supply get into that small of hands, A, for national security, but B, for the American consumer, the people out here that the American way of cheap and affordable food so you can do all these other things we do, whether we need to be doing them or not, that will be gone with another 20 years of this migration, I'm here to tell you. Yeah. You'll have the food cost jammed up your ass. Now yeah. we have nobody that wants to work. That's evident right now. Nobody can afford to buy the services because they're spending it on food. Eventually, I think you've got to stop sending check to people to not work at some point. Yep. And one of two things is going to happen. The cow-calf producer are going to get bigger, 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 and they're going to be totally vertically integrated. Or we're going to basically hand the money to the big behemoth corporations. You're going to go into your FSA office like the grain farmers do, and you're going to tell them how many pounds of beef you had. It started with the drought payments. That's when they got a hold of the cattle. They never had grass rents and acreages and head counts. We got in a bad drought in a record cattle market, and they give you these payments. Mm -hmm. That wasn't out of the kindness of their heart. That was to get the information of the ag sector they didn't get have. the numbers. Right. Now you did it with CFAB. Our cheap food policy, you just keep handing it to these corporations. I mean, the entire taxpayer burden of CFAB got handed to Cargill, Tyson, JBS. You had record box beef prices. Our American consumer was paying the most they've ever paid at the store, and we're mailing payments to cattlemen. 
What's wrong with that picture right there? Yeah. yeah. So what do you think our vision of the cattle business is going forward? We're going to keep you in poverty level and work as cheap as you possibly can. And you come into the FSA and tell us how many pounds you raised, and we're going to give you a subsidy to keep doing that. And that's now, part of the part that has to change. What a clientele to try to sell bulls to, number one. Yeah. Now go to the other side, completely vertically integrate, and the three or four people that think they're smart enough, elitist enough, and and uh, the half-brother to God that can supply all these people, where's the competition for that? Basically, Tyson, JBS, and Cargill are going to tell you what you got to sell those bulls to them for. It's going to fit into the margin puzzle. They're going to drop your bulls off and tell you this is what you're turning out this year. You have no more choices. You, you, you are required. You are a day laborer in the store. You work for somebody else. Your, your opinion does not matter anymore right. on your ranch. It's not our – It's not yeah. our. I mean, part of that, uh, Matthew, is, look, we've done this for years. The government wants to know how much corn we got in our bin, we tell them. They want to know how many cows we got, we tell them. There's no service organization out there that any of us deal with that doesn't have a fairly specific idea of what you're making, and they price accordingly. And that's where we've lost our leverage. Where you lo- I mean, who goes ask Nike how many shoes they got in their, in their, in their, in their warehouses? Do, do they have to report that? I don't think so. Why does the American producer have to let all these people know because of what Steve said? Because the government's role is really to try and keep food cheap which squeezes the producer on getting paid for his product. And we have to change that part of our lifestyle. We have to understand that we have to leverage what we do. And we're moving into actually a really good field there. I actually feel very good about um, where we're moving and being leveraged because as you look across America, there's not many people that want to do this. The work ethic in America, suffering all-time worse that I can remember in my 54 years. So if you want to do this lifestyle, there is more opportunity in the cattle business right now than I have ever seen in my adult life. You know, there is multiple things for young people that want to get into this thing, make a living. And and we, obviously we need some help on the things we talked about on the first session on, uh, on, uh, on the marketplace. But as it relates to opportunity, because you can meet a daily challenge of doing this, you know, I've never, I've never thought I'd say this, but I, you know, we had my wife and I, we had six kids. We were always going to get them all through college and make them go. I'm telling you right now, if you want to get into agriculture, don't go to, don't, don't go to college. Come work a ranch. Yeah. Come work a ranch. Just like going to be a welder or something like that. Come work a ranch. You find good people and you go work a ranch. You will be so far ahead by the time you're 25, 30 years old. When most people are still paying off their college debt. It, you'll, you'll, you'll wonder why you even looked at college. I mean, one of the major problems we have right now, and Steve and I have talked about it right now, is, look, the ingrainment of the vertical integration in youth that comes into this thing, I struggle with even, you know, you get these, you hire these young, young people, and all they want to talk about is efficiency, and they want to talk about all the things other than the monetary part of how do you make a living doing this. They want to do a ration. They want to do all these things. But, but they need to learn how to make something work through a physical effort and a good mind. And that is not what they're learning in college. It's not. They want to come out, they want your job immediately, rather than learning the fundamentals of this business that make it go. And, and, uh, and I think I've never seen more, you know, I've never seen more, you know, more, 
more opportunity that way. So staying on this theme of, you know, trying to correct this and find a new, a new, a new path, you know, we've, we've got friends and, you know, we've got a lot of acquaintances and a lot of people we know that are really going down this path. And there's been a lot of talk about, about these building, you know, 500 to 1500 head, you know, at eight killers, you know, a lot of these sure. plans are out there and then this always happens. I mean, look, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's, it's human nature. You know, people start seeing what this box beef is. They're like, you know what? I'm going to get an investment group together. I'm going to get some stuff. We're going to build us a plan. You know, we're going to start selling box, box, box beef. You know, I had a friend tell me one time when I first got in this thing 25 years ago, don't get in the meat business because it is cutthroat. Mm. And it's one of those things you really, that there's a lot of hope and promise there, right? When you're doing all, all, all this. But you guys tell me, is, is more capacity... Is more capacity a solution for the producer? I mean, is it? Does it bring a? Does it bring more competitiveness? I mean, for me, I think Steve said, you know, he he had a hundred to two hundred head level, and I, I think that has much more opportunity locally because you can control your trucking costs, you can control your quality, you can control, you know, people really want to buy local, they really want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, has much more has much more legs on it than I think larger. Uh, I mean, you're running up against some guys. You're running up. I mean, the big four didn't get there being bad at what they do. You know, they've got the contracts and they've got the efficiency to that last hair on that animal, you know, and a place to go with it. So what's your guys' thought on that? All this talk of uh, plants and everything going up. You know, uh, and it's interesting you brought that up. And and I do believe this. I think there is some uh, some efficiency, and especially in a 100 to 200 head type plant. You know, when you look at in any of these small communities, uh, when you talk to a small community, what's the one thing that, that all of these communities do? We want to bring more jobs to town. We want to have more opportunities with people in, in small communities, communities from 1,000 to 5,000 people. If you're a business and, and you propose a business and say, hey, I, I, I want to bring a packing plant to your town. I'm looking at a 100 to 200 head plant. You know, we're going to supply anywhere from 20 to 40 head of people in a small community. They will listen. Yeah. They like the idea, and I don't care where you're at, whether whether you're in a big you're in a big major populated area, you're in a small town America. People like to know where their food comes from, irregardless of what is being said, what is out there. People like to know where their food comes from. Me being one of them, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, that's a great point. Steve, what do you th- what's your thoughts on all the talk and all the plans? You know, more shackle space is going to help if it if it's spread out, but I think I think you're probably seeing what the corporate's vision is of the future anyway. I mean, quite honestly, look at their record profits and 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 what they've done and they're reinvesting those in in uh, fake meat investment and in buying their competition in the protein business. They're not investing that in retrofitting and streamlining the dinosaur packing plants they got sitting across the country. Good point. Every one of them's a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Any other business would have had to upgrade, streamline. I mean, they had to for COVID for employee's sake. But as far as retrofitting and, and making these things state-of-the-art um, in the cattle deal like they have the hogs, and I've got a good friend that built two hog plants, and I mean, they're state of the art in the freezing processes and everything. Streamlined beef business isn't doing that. Um, I think they know between the environmental issues, animal rights issues, 
the capital and the land that it takes that we are probably in 20 years looking at at processing 400,000 a week instead of 600,000 a week and the fake meat's going to pick up that slack and if they're invested in there so be it brings us back to the checkoff that we pay we can't compete this fake meat to stop that from happening they're invested in it they don't pay the checkoff they want us to continue to pay the checkoff, but when we want to reform the checkoff, they say, you're not in the beef business, you're in the kettle business, your turn will come one of these days. Well, they're in the beef business, why the hell don't they want to pay the checkoff? Right. It goes back to Chris saying the kettle business needs to pay the checkoff to have a lobbyist to fight for our rights on these other two things. Need an a- a- advocate. Um, you know, there's, but right now the, the shackle pay, space will help. Um, people want to refer back to 14 and 15, like the golden years and that it's just a cycle and so on and so forth. 14 and 15 producer leverage and the fact of a restricted herd did not get us the profit margins. It's the part people don't understand. Mm -hmm. What got us that margin and what made the Packers pay that is the funds got into the board and ran it up their ass. And they had no choice. Yep. They saw the writing on the wall. They got long. So then it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Just go keep giving more and more and more for cash and run your position on the board up. We didn't have leverage. They could have still been buying fat cattle at $1.30. Because... Blame the misguidance and the short thinkingness, and it's also a prey off of pride of ownership. Go back to the Senate hearing. Um, there's a breeder on there that I adamantly disagreed with. As a person, I respect him immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would call him a friend, whether he still does me today or not. I don't know. But... Um, Gritting these cattle and the pride of ownership has allowed too much predictability, too much non-negotiated price of the product that they should be in the market bidding on. So you can pat yourself on the back all day long that these cattle bring 120 over or 200 over or whatever. Here's the problem. If they were not given to you a week in advance which allows you not to be in the live market, where would the base be that those are based off of? You're not getting a premium. You're basically getting buy-off money for predictability. Here, you went and bought seven to $10,000 bulls, and you're proud enough of them to feed them because you want that report card at the end to be able to tell people that I made 120 on the grid. You've invested all the time, money, and risk during weather, death, loss, this, that, and the other. We're not giving you a premium because you did a damn good job. We're giving you a hundred for throwing the rest of us under the bus. I would not put it in my bull catalog that my customer's kettle got seventy nine 
billion and premiums the last however many years, this, that, and the other, I would put it in there that my customers lost $550 billion less than some of the others. The grids turned into the captive supply. If you watch the evolutions of when the corporations that have the packing plants quit feeding cattle, it was the evolution of more grid cattle, more grid cattle, more grid cattle. Right. Well, it's led, yeah. I mean, it's led into the last solution. I mean, the, the major solution. I mean, Steve's laying out a scenario where, you know, four maneuvered their way through this over a couple decades in order to own 85% of what is processed. So, you know, really for me, one of the final solutions is is there a political will that this government can look at? four companies, two of which being foreign, that own 85% of the processed meat, is that the threshold by which a market is monopolized? I would like that answered. And I would like it answered publicly by the elected officials. Are individuals' rights being compromised because of a monopolized market? And if four own an 85% is not, then tell me what the threshold is. I would like to know that threshold when individuals can no longer go to the market and expect that market fundamentals operate successfully because they don't right now. And I think that's the final, you know, we have to, and I thought we started, I think the last session by saying we have to vote different. We have to, we, even though we're only, what are we, Matthew, one or one or 2% of the voting population. So by numbers, and then you had made a comment uh, earlier, big David and David and David and Goliath. I I I understand your point. I think we're the Goliath. We're the land. We're the food. We just have an independent spirit by which we have not we have not been have the we have not had the leadership that can capture singular um, desires to capture that, that's going to be good for the whole, which Steve has spent two sessions talking about, is how do we, who's going to lead us to that and then influence our representatives in order to vote and put that into place? And we can talk about the fringes. We can talk about all this other stuff. My business sense tells me that four own an 85 and it's not, getting, it's not getting to be less. I mean, Steve's laid out the thing here, vertical integration. These guys are going to get bigger. Yeah. That's going to grow um, until we fix that. And I would like, to be, I would like someone to answer, answer me the question, what is the threshold of a, of, of a monopolized beef protein market? Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got the South American I wish Trump didn't have COVID to fight because I think he'd have took some of this stuff on if you had a secretary of ag that would have related on to him and they didn't have so much else on their plate. And this is going to be a little bit on the semen talk. I'm hoping I don't step on anybody's toes at this table. But <laughs> We're all good. what the customers and the, the producers of this country have got to see, and again, they're too distant from the business. But I can't believe you have Pratt County, Kansas ranchers going to give select sires, ABS, and Gen X $25 a straw for heifer semen that they'll give to the South Americans for three fifty. If they knew it, 
they should explode. And if they don't, they need their ass kicked. Well, if they watch the bullpen, they'll, they'll know it now. <laughs> and those Americans. Or listen to bullpen. Yeah. Those companies doing that? I mean, what are we doing? Well, it's again, it's, the, it's what we've talked about, Steve. We have, got it, we have had our head down for 30 years, working our job, as these corporations and entities that, big, that got bigger have taken advantage of that. Steve used the word pray. I think it's a great word. They've preyed on us being who we are. And they don't know them. And, right. And that has to change. Who we are, Matthew, you made the point in the last session, we have to change. This is a business. You have to approach this as a business. And if you want this to survive, it's no longer good enough to go ranch and mow hay. It's no longer good enough. You have to get involved. You have to fight for what you want to be and what you want. If you want to hand this to your kids, if you want to hand this to your grandkids, if you want your little town, if you want your little town to survive, you, you, you have to come out of the house. Come on, out of the tractor. Yep. We have to get involved. Half of my biggest bull customers are in back the day of my bull sale pushing bulls in for me. Mm-hmm. Do you think they'd be back there if they if I sold them to a Brazilian for twenty two hundred? <laughs> they would not. And asking them to give five? Oh, plus work for me, please. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't live in uh, Byers, Kansas, no more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've got to take care of the American producer That's and right. the people that are trying to profit off them and make a living off them, have got to do it for them. Agreed. Mm-hmm. They're busy making a living so they can make you one. And we all want to sit here and be quiet and be muzzled because of political reasons or not offending somebody or, you know, so on and so forth. Our American Angus Association's muzzled because CAB's non-contractual. It's the answer you get every time, plain 100%. and simple. Hundred percent. I'm sure that's not, you know, great. Well, one of two things: either have used CAB to support the people that are buying the bulls high, or grab your nuts at this point and figure out a way to do it because we've been doing it wrong for thirty years. It was a mm-hmm. great idea. It's a great brand. It's the best one, no doubt. There is. But we've marketed it like an eighth grade girl does her body the last twenty years. <laughs> We've given it away. So do you sit in the closet with your muzzle and your blinder on and continue to fear that it's non-contractual? Or do you write the ship and produce the people that you're wanting to put the publications out for and rent the ads to and give them Angus link scores and on and on and on and on that don't put any money in their pocket? And I 100% agree with that. We see this in the marketplace inside and out. You know, we offer, uh, and I'm not pucking on any association, and I'm not going to bring up an association, but there's a number of different value-added programs. If you buy this, you know, we'll do this, and you buy this, and you buy this. I don't care. It's, it's another creation to, to make more money. It doesn't do the producer any good. Some of them do. Some of them, honest to God, do. But there's a whole lot of them that don't. I sell a lot of bull sales that there's a bunch of numbers out there that don't mean nothing to nobody. And, 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 not, and that's a completely different topic. But there's things out there that, that the public is buying into that have no monetary value once they take them home. No value. Mm. Or will take away. You know, as we, as we look at this whole thing, how do we fix this? It's It's... It, it's got to be this. We have got to figure out how to go together. 
I don't care which organization you belong to. If you think you're immune the next time you go sell feeder cattle, you stick up your membership card in the air and see if they bring any more. If you think you're that immune to it, if you think they're right, we're all in this together. No and, and, and today is the day to figure out that we're all in this deal together. doesn't matter who you belong to. Put, put the membership aside. doesn't matter. doesn't. We, we, we all got one thing, and this is, this is survivability. And, and, and the second that the, the light switch comes on and we figure out we have to be sustainable, and if we don't, we are not sustainable, it's lights out. We're done. Yep. We're done. End of story. Of course, the breed associations with the fact that, I mean, here we are trying to sell higher marbling genetics and, and so on and so forth to everybody. And the one avenue they could take, the premium labels in, the, in prime is not even quoted in a USDA box beef price. So even what the producer looks at, of the rape and pillage that they're getting screwed from doesn't have what every association, every breeder is trying to increase. Not to mention drive through a town like Omaha today or whatever, where is most of the meat served to the common person? It's okay. a drive up fast food window. So we're giving the semen to Brazil. We're probably sending our people to help educate them and we're letting it come in, you know, to compete with the American producer then we give him CFAB payments to make up the difference that we let the South American market screw them. Sage and I ate at IHOP last night. $38 for like four eggs and a glass of milk and an orange juice. You lose the equity of the baby boomers out of this country. We're going to be supplying way too much of the high-quality beef that we're doing right now anyway. It's it's a burger world. Yep, absolutely. So if you're sitting out here trying to be scared and not trying to fight for the American cattle business as a generic product and thinking you're elite and you're going to live on this premium, the premiums are gone. Nobody's going to be able to afford to give this price for it and give that price for food if they don't work. And if you're giving Brazil every advantage to put the American out of business, plain and simple. You know, and you brought up a great product. I think right now everybody, everybody, and, and I'm guilty of it. Chris is guilty of it. You're guilty of it. You know, when we get into the fight, and especially, and this is this is pointing the direction more from the registered side of this deal. We get so focused on what we're doing on, on our own thing, and we're going to create the perfect one, and we're going to do this and this and this. But if we do not realize what is absolutely going on in the industry and what these producers, I the the, the constant contact is a registered producer yep. uh, and, and with your commercial producers you know i i i, and I hate to say this but there's there's registered producers out there that couldn't tell you what a load of fat cattle traded at today right it, it, you have to be you have to be so educated in knowledge but you better figure out what you better figure out what's going on within this industry because if you don't figure this out if you love what you do that much then you better get involved in something else that is other than a number yeah so i think yeah i mean i think the put a wrap on it. I mean, I think we've, 
hopefully outline some ways. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, the major the major thing is is you know we have to start treating this as a business, and if and it's your it's your business. Right. It's not we're we are not in the beef to cattle business. I think the way, this is your business, and if you are not sustainable, you brought up that word mm-hmm. before. Less. If you are not sustainable, then that is not good for your neighbor. And like it or not, it's contrary to what the American push is and everything. But Steve has spent, you know, two hours here talking about it is this lifestyle is important because this lifestyle adds to competition, which adds to value, which adds to America. That's as simple as this thing adds up. And if it goes away, it's not a good scenario, not even for the people. I'm not talking about the people at this table. It's not a good scenario for America if our way of life and our and everyone might look at their own way way of life. Ours is documented, ours is historical, ours built a country, ours sustains a country, which you can't do a lot with this country right. where 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 we all run cattle. It has to stay. It has to stay way past way past uh, being efficient, and I don't like where we're getting because in my gut level, it's like efficiency is being credited where I think I see greed. And I think that is not America. Greed and manipulation. Yeah. That's what I contend. Make the rules the same. And in today's world, these kids raised in rural America that we're raising that have the desire to do it will outwork your ass and stay in business. Believe in people. If the deck's not stacked against them. We've always There's nobody uh, that can compete. We've always believed in people. This three right. at this table. <laughs> Absolutely. We have that in common. We Absolutely. believe in people. So. Absolutely. Well, that is that is a great – I think we're going to wrap it up here for today, guys. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, before before we go, it, uh, is there any way where some of the people listen? Does anybody have a, a website, Facebook, anything you want you want to promote so people can maybe check you out, follow you, Steve? You know, I don't want to promote nothing other than everybody working their ass off to try to get at the same goal. But if you want to listen to me ramble anymore, I do shit on cattle chat mm-hmm. once or twice a week in the market report. Um, love to have you on there. If right, County enough, Sales. So yeah. Awesome. He does a great job. Right, awesome. County Sales. He's on Facebook a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, Matt does, you know, I know these guys don't like to talk about themselves, so I will. But Matt does go. a lot of, uh, he's also on Facebook a lot. He does a lot of the sales throughout uh, throughout South Dakota and Nebraska. Uh, very informative. I mean, I think the big thing is you want to get, you know, if you want to know the everyday nuts and bolts about this business, contact those two. Yeah. And then you can find me on Facebook. I've got a consulting company in the purebred Angus business. Uh, uh, but you know what? I think all three of us would just as soon you call your uh, uh, association directors or call your uh, call your uh, uh, representatives first before you Perfect. call us. Perfect. So. And Perfect. right quick, yep. I, all the senators and reps and so on and so forth, we have had a lot of help. Um, and they are listening. And I want to thank every one of them. I mean, Wonderful. It, it, you know, we can't. And then there's people, Corbett Wall and Mackenzie Johnson and Karina Joneses. And I mean, I can go on and on down the list. There's people working their ass off. And no doubt the producers need to thank them and commend them. If you agree with 80% of what they're doing, thank them. Don't let the 20% discard you because oh, they are working great for advice. you. Great advice. You're <clears> never <throat> going to agree with them. Somebody 100%. Never. never. So thanks again, gentlemen. Thanks uh, for the I appreciate you coming in here. Uh, we'll uh, talk to you all later in the bullpen. Bye. A Huda Media Production.